There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August 20th, 2013. For newcomers, I always suggest that you make good, good use of uh, the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's lots and lots of audios for free download where I take you through the system that you're born into, that you take for granted simply because it's there when you're born. Your peer group does too, naturally. Your parents did as well. They didn't know to warn you. And all mammals are the same, actually. Mammals look towards the adults to to give them clues as to what's bad for them or what's dangerous to them and so on. And if they don't do it with humans, same thing. Uh, you think it's all quite, quite natural. And we never question it. We're going to the workforce. We use money. Uh, and all this kind of stuff. But no one asks where the money comes from, who manages it, and so on. And, uh, and most folk are quite happy like that. They're in a little bubble, and they want to live their lives with as little pr- uh, problems as possible. So we live through a system that was devised a long time ago by private organizations. And I go through the private organizations that set themselves up, openly that is, because they existed for centuries. And in fact, we're behind many revolutions throughout Europe and so on. Uh, through the Middle Ages, but uh, they're here today too, and some very official, but they're actually still private organizations, big foundations, tax-free foundations, uh, and they go under the guise of philanthropy. You find even Adam Weishaupt, as I've mentioned so many times before, I mentioned that he, in his own writings, uh, was, was setting up a system where philanthropists uh, had the right to, to coexist with governments on the same kind of footing and start interfering with the way society was to go. Well, we're there today. That's where we are today, in fact. And the Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR, comes from Foreign Relations, same organization, different branch in America, but it's the same organization. They're all over the world now. We even have all the MPs for Europe and the European Parliament as members as well. And they're running basically the whole show. They even have them in China uh, the same organizations. So you're going through the big transition phase into complete privatization of everything that you thought uh, countries were about and what democracy was about and so on. All the big um, vital things that you need for, for countries such as food, uh, shelter, clothing, and even your, your jobs and everything else. It's all decided now by private organizations as the, the governments uh, farm out, as they say, uh, all these different uh, facets of government to private organizations to run for them. And they're out for profit, naturally. And, and technically, too, I've mentioned this many, many times, that like Charles Galton Darwin, in his book, The Next Million Years, mentioned so many times uh, throughout the book, in fact, uh, that uh, there's been slavery in one form or another throughout history. And says, we, in the 1950s, says, we are in the process are creating, are creating a more sophisticated form of slavery. In other words, you don't know you're a slave, but you're, you're a slave to the private corporations, you're a slave to the tax system, you're a slave to all the hierarchy that's above you, you see. And it's to get worse and worse. They call it austerity. As we go through inflationary times and all your spending money is to go to basic necessities to keep you alive. So I go through all of this at cuttingthroughthematrix.com.
and you can go to the website and help yourselves. Remember, too, I have a lot of talks uh, for transcripts or print-up uh, on the sites, too, all listed at cuttingthroughmatrix.com, and you can uh, download them all in English for print-up. You can also get transcripts in other languages if you go into Alan Watts Sentient, sentinel.eu, and help yourself to the ones offered there. But we are going through the big transitory times. Planned that way, of course, nothing happens by chance on any big scale whatsoever. It doesn't matter if if it's to do with uh, crashes of banks. They know in years in advance when they want to crash them, knowing they're going to get bailed out anyway. It's part of the whole deal. And uh, we're run by big gangs, you see, private corporations and big gangs. So there's there's no difference between any of them, actually. They're simply more sophisticated in their, in their education to be, to belong to the gangs, to go to universities, to be taught how to rip folk off much, much more, uh, better or more sophisticatedly, as they say. And the public don't really recognize what's actually happening. And you're in the, you're in the age as well of maximizing the profits. This is where everything you buy is junk. Uh, they've, they've cut all the corners uh, in this disposable, obsolete era where they have uh, built-in obsolescence and so on. But they also know that things are not meant to last now. Now, the public also accept that the things are not meant to last, and they've taken it, it for granted because they haven't rationally thought through it all. So it's maximizing the profit time to get the multi-trillionaires up there, and uh, everyone up in the multi-billionaire class is trying to get into the high, high, high class to come through into what they call a new age. And the new age uh, is set up for them to go on into the future with themselves and their own offspring. Their progeny will, will carry on down through the ages. While the rest of the public, of course, uh, especially the labouring classes, uh, are ten a penny uh, across the whole world now because of technology. And they call them obsolete. And they call labouring classes and semi-skilled classes uh, useless eaters and so on, such as Bertrand Russell. That was a term that he coined for them. Uh, as we go through progress, what they call progress. And talking of veteran Russell, remember, Russell also put out a few books on, on uh, an impact of science on society uh, way back, because he was part of the global elites, writing about the, their plans, of course. And he went through all the whole thing about useless eaters, etc., etc., and who would become obsolete. As, 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 uh, we, as, as the same people who are becoming obsolete paid all their taxes into, into uh, governments and departments that were either into warfare development or else into warfare on the general public itself, psychological warfare and many other techniques as well. And it's all been done. So we, we actually pay to have our own chains built and, uh, and eventually our own extinction will come out of that too. And that's the plans. Now I've, I've gone through some of the things that sound horrific or, or crazy or even sci-fi type, like the Department of Defense in Britain, the big think tank that, that uh, works for it, the futurist in the think tank, released a 90-page document, document a few years back there, and I published it on, on, on cuttingthroughmedics.com. And if you go into the archive section there, you'll find them. But when I mean, they go through the whole scenario with envisage for the future, with uh, sterilization of the general population happening, they didn't say why, whether it was food or whatever, they call it pollutants. And, uh, and also, which is also happening too, is the sperm count plummets in the West, in the West or first world countries, I should say. And, uh, and that's all natural too. No one's calling it a crisis, even though a lot of young people today, 18 and 20, have a lower sperm count than, than guys who are in their 60s. No kidding. I mean, now I put up the documentaries as evidence of that too that came out of Britain. So I've known about this since the 1960s. 
And it's never become a crisis, of course, because we're supposed to die off quietly. And third world countries are now to flood the Western countries uh, and with immigration and, and eradicate what was left of the old European countries. That's what's happening in America too, by the way. So the plans are all the same. And, and uh, the big corporations really believe it's their right, as the, the fittest to survive, that is, meaning they're the richest. They've held on to their wealth through quite a few generations. They haven't lost it through wayward, wayward sons or daughters. And they say they're the, they're the fittest to survive. They're the right to, to direct the future of the planet, where it's all to go, and where we're all to go along with it, too. So we're run by private organizations. Now, when you see governments privatizing different sectors, in, in, in Britain, for instance, the whole job market is privatized now, and these companies are given massive grants by government to run these private organizations, and they also can actually take cash as, as well from people that they're trying to find jobs for, supposedly. The same thing with healthcare, as, as they all become privatized down the road. First, they always bring in a national health system. They, they condition one generation of the people to blindly obey it, right down to inoculating the, the children with massive amounts of, doc, of inoculations and vaccinations when they're very young, and, and train them, basically. Then they privatize it again. And, of course, all the institutions, again, that you build up through the tax money, all the hospitals and so on, become privatized. They're sold off to their, their pals at the top for, a, for pennies, really. Same with your roads and everything else. Now they're going so far, even to tax the air you breathe, basically, and spain their taxing sunlight if you have solar panels. Not kidding about that. Again, I've, I've read the articles on the air from the Spanish papers. And we have to pay for our CO2, you see, that we, we emit. And everything that we use also emits, it has, they claim it gives off carbon in, in, in the manufacturing. So it's all to get passed down to you. Now, the big boys always say that oh, it starts with the companies. It starts with the companies, but eventually makes all the products. But, but then it, it comes down to you as well, and you get the bill at the end. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. And talking about privatizing of everything, too. Uh, you can't complain. Who do you complain to once uh, the institutions are are privatized. The government says, well, we don't really run it anymore. It's privatized and owned by so-and-so. And that gives enough the hook and the companies themselves don't bother responding to you. So that's the way it's supposed to, to go. I've mentioned before that even old movies gave you this predictive programming in it because insiders always knew what was happening. H.G. Wells, for instance, got a lot of his information for his stories from professors, top professors in, in England who left stacks of stuff on his, on his desk to do with what the future holds and so on. And it's, and it's all done through time, but to the present time, it's the same thing again. Uh, I think it was, um, uh, it was Rollerball that came out with the corporate wars. The corporate wars were to follow all the national wars. The national wars, of course, were meant to standardize the planet into the same system, and then the corporations take over. Well, that's where we're going today, of course, is to standardize the last few countries that have held out to World Bank, private federal reserves, and, and debt from the, the World Bank and the IMF. So uh, they're, they're getting taught now to go into it. Other countries have to ma- remain dysfunctional for a long time. Uh, according to Kissinger, he said if we create factions in the Middle East, 
uh, of different uh, Muslim groups fighting each other. So they'll never be rational again. They can do what we want over there, take what we want, etc. And, and that's what's happening today as well. Everything's planned years before, years before. Now we know the Gulf War One was part of of, uh, of of the strategy too. Uh, to get the wars really rolling off, and it's so interesting, people have forgotten about World War, the, the actual Gulf War One, and how it started and all the rest of it. But uh, they, go, they, they talk about Saddam going into Kuwait, but what they didn't tell you uh, at the time, or people actually were told before that, uh, some time before that, that uh, Saddam had asked uh, the, even the representatives of Britain and other countries. Uh, if you could go into Kuwait and stop them stealing the oil, what they were using was horizontal drilling rigs. They were drilling way uh, under the border of, of Iraq and, uh, and sucking out the oil. Uh, the oil fields, of course, in Kuwait had been set up by, guess who, uh, George Bush's father and himself. He, he, he worked with them too for a while when he first was a young guy. And uh, they got the, the ball rolling there for a war. So Saddam Hussein fell into that. And interestingly enough, too, I just read another article about fracking there, where they're now using the same technology that they used there uh, for, for getting into uh, Iraqi oil uh, from Kuwait. They're now using it for fracking in the U.S. They can do horizontal boring, etc., etc. So all war uh, has its, its, its spin-offs, as they say, and technology that's used elsewhere. But we're going through the big, big changes, and and uh, and people forget now we've been at war really since about 1991 or whatever to the present time, and these are these are all-out wars in a sense, uh, as opposed to the covert wars they had all through Latin America with the School of Americas, where the U.S. military trained assassins and, and so on to go into and penetrate the Latin American countries. Corporations are behind all of this too, because they're the ones who always benefit always benefit. And with corporate wars, once corporations take over, which they actually they have done, it's, it's been on the go for a long time, uh, they have taken over. That was a strategy the Royal Institute for International Affairs set up, the private organization, of course. Uh, they came out of the Milner Group. They created the Boer War. Their own historian talked about how they set up the Boer War to happen, blame the Boers, uh, and then Britain would come in with its troops, and that would save them money. Uh, and then, of course, they would simply loot uh, all the wealth, which they, have been, they did afterwards too. Now they're doing it with the whole world. Same agenda, folks. And if you read, read into the, the policies of, um, of uh, the Council on Foreign Relations and the Foreign Affairs magazine they put out too, they always tell you what the future is to be. Uh, they, they told us, for instance, they were going, they were going to, they, for the last year or so, they were going to get Mubarak out of, of Egypt, etc., uh, or the, the guy there, and uh, and sure enough, they, they got him out. They, 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 and they, they get what they want, believe you me. These are the guys who finance, along with the CIA and so on, and other countries too, uh, the color revolutions across the world, because they've been at this creation through their foundations of creating armies of non-governmental organizations, fully paid some of them, and they're really just arms uh, of, of uh, these private organizations that go across the world protesting, setting up uh, newscasts, etc., for the, for the Western countries to, to watch and give you spins on everything too, or overthrowing countries that they're trying to do with Iran and so on. So you're living through amazing times as, as private, again, charitable foundations, as they call themselves, owned by the biggest bankers on the planet, um, create such massive armies of NGOs and overthrow governments or get the riot starting 
or the revolutions starting. And once it starts and it doesn't go well, they simply bring in the militaries. Simple as that. It gets rather boring after a while, of course. It, it does get boring because it's just simply repetition, repetition, same agenda, same agenda, till everything's privatized across the world. I've always said, too, from the very beginning, as long as you have uh, private banks, central banks, running countries' uh, cash systems, you'll never have anything but this system. It can't be anything but this system. You find the biggest banks, in, for, in, in fact, like Goldman Sachs, literally own the military-industrial complex. All the big names, you know, uh, come under them. They own them all. They own them, like a holding company. And it's simply escalating now because this is, this is their century of change. That's what they call the century, 21st century. All the big agendas, uh, that were pushed even during the communist era, uh, which was financed, of course, by the Western banks, especially in the States, uh, but in London too, uh, are coming to be fulfilled today under the guise of equalities. They flatten, uh, societies. They destroy culture completely. So that, so that culture and societies won't, can't stand up together as a people anymore. And once they can't do that, they're helpless. They're helpless folks. And, uh, families too have been completely eliminated for the same reason. That's what the communists were for as well. Then government can talk straight down to you. There's no family around you to help protect you. It's perfect really, isn't it? As a system. Now, from the Iraq war and so on, to to this article here. It's interesting that when George Bush was put in there, and I mean put in, not by the people, but the, the guys already run the world, because the Royal Institute for International Affairs, according to their own historian, have put in every president and prime minister for a 100 years now. So it says, Obama, uh, Department of Justice, asked court to grant immunity to George W. Bush for Iraq War, Part 2, basically. You know. And it says, um, in court papers filed today, and the PDF will put up tonight at cuttingthroughmates.com. The United States Department of Justice requested that George W. Bush, Richard Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice, and Paul Wolfowitz would be granted procedural immunity in a case alleging that they planned and waged the Iraq War in violation of international law. That's what they call the neocons, the group that they were. And you should look into it for yourself to get the meanings. It's got a very definite meaning, what they mean by neocon. It's very, it's very important. As his plaintiff Sundus and Shaker Sally, an Iraqi single mother and refugee now living in Jordan, filed a complaint in March 2013 in San Francisco Federal Court, alleging that the planning and waging of the war constituted a crime of aggression against Iraq, a legal theory that was used by the Nuremberg trial uh, and tribunal to convict the Nazi war criminals after World War II. The Department of Justice claims that in planning and waging the Iraq war, the ex-President Bush and key members of his administration were acting within the legitimate scope of their employment and are thus immune from the, the, the sweet lawsuit, uh, Chief Counsel Inder Komar of Komar Law said. So, of course, this will never happen anyway. No one's ever going to be go to trial on any of these things. The only ones who get go to trial are the guys you see getting executed, like Gaddafi, for instance, by the guys round about him and the, the tense, I don't think it even shocks any people anymore. They're getting so, so used to it. But, uh, none of the guys in the West will ever, ever go to in these tribunals. Tony Blair too, the one man band, the only guy in Britain, it seemed in the parliament, uh, who wanted to go to war with Iraq, uh, and who was well rewarded for it afterwards too. Um, it was basically put in again by the same group, the Royal Street for International Affairs, back with more after this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, back cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system and how it's supposed to go. It's supposed to go the way it's going. It's all designed that way. Uh, big world meetings are held all the time with the big organizations that run the world and uh, and the public are, are generally ignorant of it, are kept in the dark about it because all the major media uh, are they're members of it too. All the big tycoons of the media uh, are members of the Council on Foreign Relations, the Royal for National Affairs. Uh, so they go along with all of these things too. In fact, their job really is to have us running, running in circles, thinking all crises just happen out of the blue. And, and governments have to go into action and solve the problem immediately. And nothing is further from the truth. Especially wars, when they're planned many, many years in advance in the strategies and so on. Also, I've mentioned many times about uh, the National Health Service and how it trains the public to get more and more inoculations, vaccinations. And, of course, pharma's behind it, big pharma, because they get huge contracts, 10-year contracts for this one or that one or so on. And it's big money, big money basically guaranteed. So the more they can get out there for, for the public to consume and the government mandates it into law, then uh, then the, the richer they get, they get at the top. This is a time, again, for corporate wars and corporate enterprise, maximizing profits and utter complete greed like never seen before on the planet. So they're pushing all the different vaccinations, and uh, and many of them are just junk. I've mentioned even with this one to do with Cervix and other things and so on, and even the woman who guided the the, the actual um, uh, t- laboratory tests for all these things. At the time, she said during one of her talks that it was, it was all bunkum, basically. It didn't do any good at all. But it's awfully good for the pockets of the guys in the big, big pharma that makes all of the vaccinations. Now, part of the, medic- the national health system is to bring in mandatory inoculations in, in the States. And I say that because that's what they brought in in Britain. That's what they did once they brought in uh, uh, the national health services as well. And so the medical staff simply push all the drugs into you and all the vaccines into you as well on behalf of the big boys that give them all the big grants and so on. And this article here talks about the push, of course, on on stopping uh, the human papilloma virus that supposedly causes cancer. And actually there's a very small percentage get cancer from it, if at all. And even then, they can't tell which virus it is because there's dozens of the viruses which can cause it. And supposedly these, these vaccinations only are meant to guard against three and they've never done any long-term study to see if it actually works at all. But what we do know is a lot of fallout from it too. People who get terrible side effects, young, young girls especially. And this says, my daughter Cervarix and MECFS coincidence or not in other words. And it goes into myalgic um, encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, and different fallouts of after the after this particular vaccination. I'll put that up tonight too at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And we we get these statements coming out too. This is supposed to be news. You understand that most of them is when a sensationalise something in the news, it, it's it's just something you fill fill the rag with, basically. The mayor is under fire after claiming the riots were the best thing to happen in Tottenham in a while. That was the 2011 riots. So the mayor of the London borough, the centre of the 2011 riots, has been criticised for saying that they were the best thing to happen. And he says, uh, 
Sheila Peacock, who was elected mayor of Labour-run uh, Haringey Council earlier this year, caused outrage by speaking up during an online video documentary. The documentary is What is Wrong with Tottenham? was made by Anthony Tim Kwanmaya Yawa in June this year. It only came to light last week, however, when locals and fellow councillors at Haringey Council spotted the eight-and-a-half-minute documentary, which has been viewed 705 times so far online. During the documentary, Mrs. Peacock, former headmistress, says the second riots that we've just had was the best thing that's happened for a while. The reason for saying it is all of a sudden the government is now starting to pump money into Tottenham. It's amazing how money is supposed to fix everything, isn't it? From global warming to, 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 to carbon pollution to... It's all your money, mind you, because uh, government doesn't have money. They just tax it from you, etc., uh, etc., but it says, uh, because Haringey is an outer borough, uh, London borough, so we don't get as much money as Islington or Hackney, and we've been struggling for years, it says. The leader of the Liberal Democrats at Haringey Council said the mayor should apologise immediately. He said this is extremely insensitive to the victims of the riots, some of whom had to flee burning homes or lost their livelihood. I hope uh, Claire Peacock apologises. The riots were spread throughout the UK over four days, August 2011, are being I believe to have cost the taxpayers £300 million and ended in nearly 4,000 claims for damages. Five people died as the riots took across the UK, with looting shops and burning down buildings as well. And there's a whole bunch of groups involved in, in this. These things don't happen by themselves. I've gone through again um, the Department of Defense's scenarios for the, for the future up to about 2050 and they predicted they have these flash mobs that would use cell phones and tweets and so on to, to get together and, and in other words the governments can also instigate it too and all the youngsters will simply follow. Any, any group can actually instigate it in fact. So easy and the followers never know who starts it. It's so easy today isn't it to get everything going. And also, it says the feds give millions in contracts to firms owned by fictitious people. A Maryland woman, I mentioned this before, but it's so interesting to see how the government throws out money. Now, you'll find actually most of the fictitious companies or people are actually for black budgets that governments are always into. They have so many operations on the go and how they get runs. Uh, and keep out the books actually of what they're spending money on for black budgets and black ops they tend to do in this kind of way I even mentioned before in Britain where it came out that the government during the Cold War had a whole so many of these organisations listed they gave money to and one of them even was supposed to uh, 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 freedoms for lesbians or something it was a big one, and it didn't even exist. This organization didn't exist. It's in a little office there, and the money was funneled out to, to spy agencies for Britain. So it's the same thing in the States, too. You understand reality is far removed from what you've been taught. Um, I mean about everything you've been taught, folks. It really is. Even what you think government is. Your whole perception of what it is is fake. I'm sorry to say. And also, too, in the corporate wars, in the EU uh, corporation that runs the, the Parliament of Europe on behalf of their masters, uh, been at war, of course, with Iceland after Iceland, as you know, uh, did refuse to join the bail-ins and so on uh, and, uh, and borrow money from the, the big banks and, and try to get out of the hole. They simply put guys in prison, the bankers themselves, and cancel their own debts and season we're, we're up and let the banks crash. Let them crash because uh, they, they were all in it together with all the banks in the States and England as well. 
Anyway, it says, so they're still going to war in, in a sense with, uh, with Iceland. Uh, so they won't forget, they won't forgive this in the big banks, banking system. It says, Iceland and the Faroe Islands make demands over EU fish sanction stance. And, and now a lot of money was pumped into the Iceland economy when they realized where the world was going many years ago. And they tried to revitalize, and they did revitalize the big fishing industry. And, uh, and so many folk now there make their money off it and their whole living off it. But, uh, of course, the EU, this super Soviet system that nobody wanted, uh, but, but again, uh, the Royal Institute for International Affairs drafted up the whole thing to amalgamate Europe into the, under this big Soviet uh, system parliament. And, um, and that was done a long, long time ago, folks. They also drafted up the ones under the CFR for, for the NAFTA agreements and amalgamation for the Americas. Anyway. It says here, the Prime Minister of Iceland has accused the European Union of an ongoing campaign of threats and breach of international law over the issue of fish quotas. The EU has already agreed sanctions against the Faroe Islands, claiming the country is guilty of overfishing mackerel and herring. The Commission wants to bring forward similar measures against Iceland. The most are being supported by Scottish uh, trawlermen. It's a statement from the, the Faroese Prime Minister's office said the governmental, the government had requested an international tribunal to declare the European Union in breach of its obligations under this UN Convention of the, on the Law of the Sea. Now, I'm sure the, the UN will, will come down uh, against Iceland too, because they're all part of the same organization set up, uh, that set up the EU Parliament, which was the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the private organization. They set up the United Nations as well, by the way. So they, they use that as a tool uh, where they get uh, countries to agree to all kinds of treaties. Then they sign on to it, then they lose all the rights. Canada did the same thing, of course, and, and it put all the fishing, pretty well the fishing business in the East Coast out. Well, they allowed Spanish trawlers to come in from the EU and, uh, and literally deep sea trawl everything, including even the eggs of the fish away, uh, to leave hardly nothing at all. An average guy couldn't go out in his little rowboat. That was made illegal by the Canadian government, because they're part of the system too. And I understand the system is global, folks. It's a global club. Anyway, so here they are hammering uh, Iceland too, one way or another, uh, try to starve them out and, and, and again get them into poverty and so on by refusing to allow them to, to do their natural fishing, etc., etc. And also, tonight too, uh, the first objections to Detroit's bankruptcy are being debated right now. Uh, it says dozens of creditors, unions and retiree groups Monday objected to Detroit's eligibility to file for Chapter 9 bankruptcy, setting up a fierce legal battle to determine whether the city's bankruptcy case can proceed. All to do with can they actually legally bankrupt them or not. Back with more after this. We're back cutting through the matrix. And over the next few weeks, I'll be, you might hear the occasional repeat show. And that's because I'm in cutting the wood mode right now because it's time to get the wood in before the winter hits. Because I was short last year, it was terrible. And um, we get long winters here in Canada, and it's going to be getting longer, in fact. In fact, I was burning, uh, I had the fire on even into June. That's how cold it was. And here we are right now, uh, getting the wood in right now for... 
for this, this coming year as well. And it's going to be an early, early winter, I think, too, and heavy as well. So if you hear the occasional um, uh, repeats, it's because I'm out cutting the wood. It's got to be done, and I can't afford to buy the stuff too. And I should mention too, remember, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughmedias.com, where I go into chronology and through down through the ages, the histories of it and so on, and how... Uh, again, nothing really changed. It's just your perceptions have been re-engineered by um, psychologists and behaviorists and so on to give you what you think is really um, an upstanding type of system with with good, honest people running the whole show. Nothing is further from the truth, folks. The people who get to the top are hands are hand-picked, basically. They're psychopathic in nature, and, and they're, they're characters you wouldn't want to even meet uh, and never mean mixed with at all. Uh, and that's how it is. It's how it's always been, unfortunately. We're in a cutthroat time, and it's rather nasty out there across the whole world. Some countries are getting slaughtered, actually, uh, and then the oils and so on, and all the all the big things are stolen from them as well. And in fact, I should try and mention tonight too uh, about the uh, the um, I think it's the museum Egyptian uh, theft. Uh, you'll find this with the U.S. wherever it goes in with Britain too, but the U.S. will do it. And uh, they had a documentary when they went into Iraq. Before they went into Iraq, it was actually a few months, four or five months beforehand. It was put by the CBC, I believe. And they showed you private collectors bidding in the States uh, for all the artifacts in, in the museum, the top museum that they had in Iraq. And when they went in there, sure enough, uh, the, the troops surrounded the place. And nobody went in except these private guys, and they looted the place and got the stuff out of the country. The British paper said it was fenced through Israel to, to private collectors across the world. Same thing's happening now. The biggest museum of theft in Egyptian history, over a thousand artifacts stolen. And it says, as Egypt plunges deeper into political turmoil, looters take advantage of the situation. And the latest robbery of the Malawi Museum in the city of Minya, 300 kilometers from Cairo, has been the biggest of its kind in Egyptians' living memory. Looters got away with more than a thousand objects, including a prized three and a half thousand year old limestone statue, ancient beaded jewelry, gold and bronze Greco-Roman coins, pottery and bronze detailed sculptures of animals sacred to Thoth, one of the ancient Egyptian deities represented with the head of an ibis. Uh, the building was initially vandalized last Wednesday with looting and burning going on for almost a week now. Now you'll probably see in the papers again it'll be fenced through another country. And the private collectors will simply be collecting it again. This happens all the time. And suppose it's been done on behest of the most civilized countries that are backing all of this stuff. And of course, nothing is for them. That's really how it is. We're living in barbaric times. And those at the very top of the tree, who have been CEOs of the biggest corporations, who have been at war with other corporations uh, for years because they don't like competition, uh, are running countries and governments and so on, folks. It's not nice out there at all across the world. And eventually the big eating machine of war comes back home to roost where there's nothing left to eat up. And that's why they're preparing the U.S. and the Western countries for massive riots and so on as you go into austerity and have to pay for the cost, the tax cost, uh, to, to supply armies and so on. So the big private corporations can loot the countries. Very simple, isn't it? Also, I'll put NAFTA on steroids up tonight at CuttingThroughMedics.com, the Trans-Pacific Partnership and Global Neoliberalism. It's quite a good article, actually, and it goes into 
um, a world without democracy ruled by technocratic elites serving the interests of U.S. and global capital, protecting investor rights against national laws and regulations, is now being created in secret negotiations over free trade treaties, one of which, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, may be sewn up this fall, and can popular will stop it. For four decades now, we've seen corporate-led neoliberal globalization transforming nation-states into globalized states that serve the interests of transnational capital above the interests of national populations. This tendency has been strong in the states both of the global north and the global south. Everywhere sovereignty is being compromised. The idea, the ideal political system most suitable for such globalized states as polyarchy since it's legitimately relatively autonomous elite rule, it says. However, even in much such a managed democracy, such a managed democracy, and democracies in quotation marks, there are moments when elites can be made accountable to national populations through the struggles of social movements. Then they go into the Occupy stuff and all the rest of it. And I'll give you a bit of history on Milton and other ones, such as uh, Milton Fisk, I should say, who wrote The State and Justice and Essay in Political Theory, and so on, and how they, they, they get the classes divided, etc., etc., to fight amongst each other as they loot you and bring you down uh, the ladder, basically, to a lower level. And it goes on into uh, popular sovereignty gone with globalization. Well, that was always the plan, folks. When you're, when you're going to globalization, you always give up sovereignty. The war on terror, if you remember, was meant to give up your personal uh, rights and all the freedoms for safety. Same thing again, you see, and give all the powers to the state. So everything works together because there's only one big group at the top running the whole show, folks. And it's not the ones that you elect. The ones that you think you'll let, at least, they're put in from the top down to to you. And and they serve their masters. And they really profit from their masters. And they believe in the system, too, that they're bringing in for themselves. They're, they really do believe in elitist policies for themselves. Now, Mayor Bloomberg, who literally sees himself as a new, I don't know, Moses or whoever he is, of a big, big, massive city, He's made some outrageous statements in the past to do with his private army, basically. He's got the biggest army, which is police force. And he's tried to get people to stop drinking the sugary drinks and so on. He wanted to outlaw them. And now he says that the city should fingerprint the public housing residents. This is a bit to boost security at public housing complexes. Uh, Michael Bloomberg this morning suggested fingerprinting residents so they can access their homes. What we really should have is fingerprinting to get in. And of course, there's an allegation that some of these apartments aren't occupied by the people who originally have the lease, said Bloomberg. And it says the mayor noted that while New York City Housing Authority building house about 5% of the city's population, they account for about 20% of the city crime. He says, we've got to find some ways to keep bringing crime down here. He says, I think that most people who live in the buildings want more police protection. If you have a stranger walking in the halls of your apartment building, don't you want somebody to stop and say, who are you? Uh, why are you here? Because the locks and the doors are so many people coming and going. You, you really can't, he says. So if they fingerprint them uh, and, again, use the electronic entrances with your fingerprint, he says this is going to make it uh, safer and more secure. Well, all they'll do is be cutting off folks' thumbs, folks, uh, just like you see in the movies. To get in, if they want in, they'll get in. And of course, it doesn't stop the agencies and all the special agencies from getting in either. Uh, they don't. Uh, they don't borrow with things, even the lawful things they're supposed to have anymore. And also, the spy aged eight. How American forces recruited a young boy to plant a chip on his stepfather, 
an Al-Qaeda target in Yemen so that they could kill him in a drone strike. And this is mainstream, actually. Uh, new allegations claim that the eight-year-old Yemeni boy who was abandoned by his biological family was then uh, roped back into their clutches. The boy's biological father works for the Yemeni Republican Guard, which helps U.S. forces, and they asked to have an Al-Qaeda operative located. The operative had been added to the U.S. kill list, Obama's favorite kill list. The Republican Guard knew that one of their officer's children had been taken in by that target, Adnan al-Qadi, so they called the biological father and asked him to have his son place a chip on the surrogate father. The boy complied, complied and then days later, al-Qadi was killed in a drone strike. So this is how you perfect your target uh, tracking system. And they're using children now to, to, to put tracking devices on people. This is the most supposed advanced country in the world behind this, the U.S. Uh, this, this having this done across the world. But all of its, its history, which a lot of it's mythical, of course, like all, all countries, uh, of being, of being moralistic and upright and all that. This is what they're doing now is using eight-year-old children to, to plant chips on the clothing of people so they can get killed by drone strikes, eh? No, and again, there's no trial or anything else. It's just Obama or somebody say so. Hmm. Well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>